The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye. This is the Afternoon News on Edmonton's News and Conversation Station, 630 Chad. Hey, and happy Tuesday to you, Chadville. It's Jalen Nye. Hope you're having a great day so far. Got uh, some interesting topics coming up over the next four hours. Uh, bear with me as well. My throat a uh, little rough today. If you have any suggestions for uh, fixing a, a bad throat, let me know at 6.30, 6.30. Some of you have already were texting me in yesterday, and I appreciate that. Um, lots of stuff to get to. So uh, some fun stuff, including uh, some folks up in High River, or down in High River, actually, uh, trying to bring back the drive-in theater. You know what? We've seen this a number of times in this province over the past number of years. Since I've been doing this show, I've probably done a couple of these interviews. We're going to talk to the uh, the guys behind this latest effort. We're going to talk about, there's a professor out in BC. She was preventing a, uh, presenting at a conference uh, this week about how she believes dodgeball should no longer be played in school. And we'll get into it in her reasons for it. And I'll tell you something, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I, I bet it's going to tick a lot of you guys off. But some of you as well are going to go, yeah. I remember playing dodgeball, hated every minute of it. We had this conversation in the newsroom today, unreal. People either loving it or hating. Uh, talking to uh, Mike Moffat, the senior director, um, actually the former coach of Canada's national dodgeball team. Did you know that Canada had a national dodgeball team? I didn't either until today. Uh, a really harrowing story from Mount Everest. We'll talk to a climber who just recently returned from a... Uh, just a scary, scary trek up the side of Mount Everest. Lost a, a good friend, died on the mountain. Uh, but right now, want to get to this. Just over 24 hours since the mandatory evacuation order was lifted in high level, things are slowly getting back to normal. Residents are returning and beginning the cleanup, but there's a lot of work to do. Here's Global's Tom Vernon. A lot of residents would have come home to find a lot of their patio furniture, their barbecues, propane pulled away from their homes. Obviously, firefighters moving all of that out of the way. They went into their homes. They're being told, look, clean them from top to bottom, clear all that smoke and ash out, uh, throw out any spoiled food. There were power outages up here, so they're being told to, to get rid of all that. But most importantly, what they're returning home to are their homes. No homes burned down in this community, and a lot of people are saying thank you to the firefighters. Be thankful for all the people that worked so hard to save our homes. They worked around the clock and all we did was just sit there and it, it's, I'm so thankful for it. The Chuckhead Creek wildfire is still very large and still very active. Uh, some rain allowed them to get it under control in this area, but as I said, if the weather shifts, they could be told to get out again. So as you just heard, the fire is still very large and very active, so residents remain on that 12-hour notice. Joining us to uh, hit leadoff this afternoon, Rodney Schmidt, the fire chief in the town of High Level. Chief Schmidt, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, you've been hearing, you just heard uh, Tom Vernon's uh, report there, and the, uh, the woman in that report saying, you know, just wanting to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the firefighters who stayed behind and, and, uh, and managed to keep high levels safe. What do you say to her? Uh, yeah, we've been getting that a lot the last few days. Obviously, as people have been returning back to high level, we had a big welcome yesterday, and we had a lot of thank yous. I, I mean, I guess it's... <laughs> easy thing to see is it's our job and then that's that's what we were here to do 
but uh, it was it was just a it was a really good day yesterday to to, to see everybody back. What is it like uh, in high level? So tell me about yesterday. Tell me about today. What is the feeling like in high level? Well, things uh, look like they're slowly getting back to normal here today. There's a lot more traffic around town, and uh, people are people are starting to go about their business. And obviously, <laughs> there's still some a few things different. But uh, but yesterday itself was was a, was uh, a good day in in one way and bittersweet in another. I guess uh, you know everybody coming back into town, and we had a, a big welcoming uh, a group at the entrance to town mm-hmm. with a big flag in the area. It was a lot of it was great to see, but I also traveled to Paddle Prairie yesterday and met with that community who's still still in the middle of it. So for, for myself specifically, it was a bit of a bittersweet day. So, Chief, tell us about um, Paddle Paddle Creek. I know that a number of the, the homes there at that, uh, that Métis settlement uh, were lost. Um, we haven't seen a lot of pictures, haven't seen a lot of news out of there. What can you tell us about it? Well, Paddle Prairie is a, is a very small community with only about 800 people and uh, a Métis settlement about 75 kilometers south of us. Um, we, in the north, that's considered a neighbor. That's the next closest uh, community to the south. <laughs> it, it sounds weird, but that's true. Um, and uh, you know, we responded there just over a week ago as the fire was starting to um, move uh, south towards Paddle Prairie, and our firefighters, you know, put up quite a fight there to help save that community. I mean, we're, we're saddened that we lost some homes, but the settlement has really rallied around our, our firefighters from all over the province that, that that went with us down there to to protect that community, and uh, you know, well over a hundred homes were saved. So, so you know, they're they're just a, a a great group of people down there, and they were very thankful. We gathered us together yesterday, and we had a little had a gathered in a circle at one of the sites where we were staging our equipment. And they talked to us about you know how how grateful they were, and you know, some tears shed and so on. So, so that you know, it's just it was just a, a very touching moment. Absolutely. So right now, it seems that there's a bit of a breathing, ro- a bit of breathing room. Was do you feel that way right now, Chief, or are you still on on edge? Um, we've had a bit of breathing room just because of the weather the last few days. We've had some rain uh, on the fire the last couple of days, which, which helped our decision of bringing people back here. I mean, we're certainly not out of the woods yet. That fire is very large, and it's still there. And you know, if the weather turns, there is a chance that it can pick back up again, and so we have to be on edge. Uh, that being said, you know, high levels, danger is decreasing every day. We get some more rain, uh, and so is the danger for the rest of the county and, and the First Nations community to the east of us. So we're just kind of hoping that, that this weather pattern still continues. The uh, Fire Chief, Rodney Schmidt, with the uh, Town of High Level, joining me this afternoon. How are your crews holding up, Chief? Uh, they're doing great. Actually, we gave them a day off today. Uh, so uh, we want them to have uh, some time with their families. Uh, we have the out-of-town firefighters covering for us today uh, for emergency calls and managing the, the fire response as well. So uh, so I, I think they're in, they're in good spirits today. We really saw a change with everybody started coming in and started losing firefighters off our welcome line as families <laughs> arrived. So, um, but it was it was a good day, so their spirits are high. It was it's been a long couple of weeks for them. Yeah, I wanted to go back uh, and look over those past couple of weeks. I mean, I remember back to Fort McMurray and uh, Fire Chief uh, was it Darby Allen. He, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was quite uh, visible through it all through social media, all that sort of thing. And you know, eventually we got to, to to talk with him a little bit more. We this is the first time that we've had to, a chance to speak with you. So I'm curious to know if you can take us back a little bit um, to the days before the evacuation when that fire was getting closer and.
and closer. Uh, what were those days like for you, and and what was what was going through your mind at that time? Um, you know, the fire actually started on Mother's Day, um, and for that full week uh, before the actual evacuation, um, that fire wasn't doing a lot. Uh, you know, we were uh, forced to use action unit. We had you know warm weather, but it wasn't uh, you know wasn't you know, it didn't really seem to pose a threat. Um, everything changed on the Friday uh, on before the, the evacuation, and the wind really, we got some really strong wind, and it really picked it up. And by Saturday, we, we, we started realizing that this, this could be very bad. So um, High Level has a very extensive plan for, for a wildfire threat. Uh, we've been working on it for years, perfecting it, tweaking it every time another community is is affected by a wildfire. We take a look and see what we can do better. And on Saturday, I met with uh, with our mayor and uh, our CAO and, and said, this is what's happening, and we need to start putting plans in place. And uh, they were super supportive right away. It was whatever you need. Um, and uh, some of our first calls were actually to the Lesser Slave Lake Regional Fire Service, and, and he sent the crew out right away. Uh, they have a very experienced uh, crew for for wildfire community protection. Uh, we work with them a lot. Uh, they arrived, and some other other communities, uh, you know, our partners in the area, as well as Clearwater County on Sunday, and we started putting plans in place, putting up sprinklers and and so on. And uh, and then Monday, everything changed. Um, overnight, the fire grew, uh, and uh, came within one kilometer of our one of our large OSB facilities uh, three or four kilometers south of town and that's when we knew uh, you know, working we're working with wildfire we knew that uh, things things were going to take a turn and uh, so we uh, by that time we had a an incident management team in place from the region and a new team that was just developed uh, called the Alberta Task Force One which is a north the Northwest All Hazards Incident Management Team made up of municipalities from across the Northwest they all arrived to supplement uh, our team are in the emergency operations center, which allowed me to focus on the community protection, and we just got to work. Mm-hmm. And by by mid afternoon on Monday, we realized we have no choice but to get everybody out of town. Um, and you know what? It, it, it's got to be one of those moments to make that decision to evacuate. I mean, it's 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 tough to say all of you have to leave, but on the other hand, it's got to be easy to say y'all have to leave because otherwise, this this is going to get very bad very quickly. That's right. I mean. The whole key to our plan was was early evacuation and get people out of town before the fire reaches, because that allows our firefighters uh, to concentrate on on community protection versus lives. That's right. And and that, that makes a huge difference. So uh, we did that, and I think it was successful. Um, well, you know, people were leaving. Firefighters were coming from all over the province. We started um, working with the province to get resources here and uh, and and started getting community protection up. And, and I, I can't remember the exact timeline they don't have in front of me, but within a couple of days, we had the entire town uh, protected as well as uh, stuff laid down for the two mills in town. And, uh, and uh, by that point, we just uh, were responding to the threats as they, as they went. When you talk about some of those threats as they went, did you have some other close calls? Did you have some, some uh, moments where you thought you might lose something? Yeah, I think as the fire was moving from the southeast to the northwest, uh, we had uh, a real a big issue to the immediate south of high level, and and that was about 6,000 hectares of unburned forest that was a triangle of forest right between the crossroads of, of the two highways into town. 
demand with forestry on this incident, which was one of the first times that it happened. And we were working so close in the same room with them that we, you know, made a decision to to burn off that chunk of forest mm. to protect the town. That was a big decision. Um, lighting a fire basically right inside the community um, <laughs> to take out a large swath of forest uh, to, to basically burn in a, a guard around the town. And we did it over two days, and it, and it worked. And I think that was the pinnacle moment of the week uh, for for our community, at least. And then shortly after that, our attentions turned south. Yeah. Um, Chief Schmidt, how long have you been in the firefighting business? How long have you been a firefighter for? Um, as of this month, 30 years. 30 years. And have you ever all been? All of it here in high level. All? <laughs> all? <laughs> really? So how long have you been chief there for? Uh, 20. For 20 so, of those years? Yeah. Have you ever seen, have you been through anything like this before? Like, did you ever have, did you move down to help anything in, you know, Fort McMurray or Slave Lake, anything like that? And did you ever think that you would actually have to deal with something like this? Um, well, we're very fortunate in high level. Um, well, one, we live in the Boreal Forest. So we live with forest fires every year. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have had community protection. We had a really close call here in 2015 where the fire was within uh, 20 kilometers of town. And uh, we were getting ready to set up protection, and we brought in firefighters from all over the province again. And it was almost like a dress rehearsal for this year. Um, And our fire department also provides provincial assistance to other communities in need. So last year, we deployed three times to other communities to do sprinkler protection. We have our firefighters very well trained in that. And so I I felt we were prepared um, just because of the experiences of, of sending our firefighters to those other communities. We were in Slave Lake in 2011. it like in in high level when everyone had been evacuated and it's just you and the the uh, wildfire management team and in your firefighters it must be a very eerie feeling um you know you've got this work to do you're you're it's a small group of people um but you're kicking butt and you were doing it but it, it must have been a little odd yeah it was very different um first time i've ever seen our town empty and um, when we evacuated uh, the community there was a power outage as well so that first night um, I didn't go get home till about 1 a.m. and uh, just for a few hours sleep. And by that time, it was dark. Um, uh, it doesn't get dark here this time of year till almost 11 o'clock. Yeah. So, um, you know, we get a few hours of darkness. And it was, of course, the street lights were out and all the houses were dark. And we had to use our bright lights just to find our way home. Um, so it was uh, it was eerie. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those first couple of days, it took a bit getting used to. Um, Funny enough, by, by you know the end of the week, you were kind of used to having empty streets. And <laughs> we, as, as we were bringing the community back, we actually had to remind all the firefighters from all over the province that, you know, okay, the community's coming back. Now we have to remember to stop at stop signs and, <laughs> you know, <no> signals. Because <laughs> we pretty much had free reign over the town yeah. for for 10 days. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is different. It's the first time I've ever been in a community this size that's been evacuated. So... Chief, before I let you go, um, what have you learned and what has your team learned from from this? And, and, and how can you p- put those lessons uh, forward to other communities and, 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 and hopefully never your community again? But, you know, what have you learned? Well, I think I think one of the, the, the biggest learnings we had was, was 
the, the early evacuation call. It, it made a huge difference for us to be able to focus. Um, it was hard for our firefighters to say goodbye to their families, and uh, but you know that it, everything tension turned immediately after everybody they knew everybody was safe and uh, we could relax a little bit. I think that was probably the biggest lesson. Mm-hmm. And and the other the other lesson is just you know we need to have a, a good access to structural protection in our province. You know it, it we're work, we've been working on a program through the Alberta Fire Chiefs Association for quite some time to solidify a provincial program and. And um, we're hoping that this will be the catalyst uh, for that. Um, you know, we did a lot of firsts here working unified with forestry, uh, bringing in management teams in early evacuations and sprinkling right away. And a lot of those things um, have, helped, have have contributed to that, that that successful outcome. So we're hoping we can take these lessons and, and get with, out with our colleagues in the province and, and see if there's anything else we can learn from it. Was there anything that you needed that you didn't get? No. I, I, Honestly, no. Um, the, the province, uh, Alberta Emergency Management Agency, the Fire Commissioner's Office, was, was very good with us. We were communicating with them daily. They had staff here helping um, the Unified Command with forestry, so we were in the same room. It, the, the resourcing was honestly the easiest I've ever had in an event. I, it, the daily comment was, what do you need? And and it, they, we made it work. Um, certainly, the distances and high level is a challenge. It takes yeah. Sometimes several days to get stuff here. Um, we're you know an eight-hour drive from Edmonton, and even longer with detours and so on. So, so that was the biggest challenge. But I, I have to say that, that you know from the provincial government through the municipalities, we had contractors here, we had the community rallied in, we had people stay in town, feeding us, and hotel operators stayed here so we could you know house our firefighters in hotels, and it was just a it was just a really good event in that aspect yeah. of, of the cooperation. So, so yeah, we got everything we asked for, and, and I think that, that it's just a sign of the resiliency of, of, a, of a northern community like High Level. You know what, I just uh, was up in uh, Yellowknife last week, flew over you guys on the way up, and I heard the word uh, resiliency a lot when it came uh, to talk about northern communities, and we've certainly seen that over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Chief, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon, and you know we'll keep uh, fingers crossed that Mother Nature continues to play along. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you very much. There you go, Chief Rodney Schmidt, the fire chief in high level. So interesting, following that uh, interview with uh, Rodney Schmidt, the fire chief up in the town of uh, High Level, uh, someone had texted in and said, how many, uh, how many paid and how many volunteer firefighters are there in, in High Level? Well, you go to the fire department in High Level, Alberta, it says right here, the High Level Fire Department is a 30-member volunteer fire department that provides fire and rescue services to the town of High Level and surrounding area. 30-member volunteer Wrap that around your mind right now. And of course, we saw hundreds of other firefighters uh, move into the region from across the country to help things out. So there was a couple of hundred uh, in the area uh, helping things out. So uh, some good news for high level as it uh, tries to get back to normal. But as Chief said, you know, that fire is still there and it's still big, like what, 270,000 hectares. Uh, So fingers crossed that uh, Mother Nature continues to play along and things certainly, you know, a little bit cooler in the last uh, couple of days. Uh, Just a heads up on this one as well. As we uh, wrap up our 
fire uh, segment, I guess you could call it. An evacuation order has been lifted uh, for residents in Martin Beach in the MD of Lesser Slave uh, River. They can go home. They're going to remain under a 12-hour evacuation alert, though, so that includes the Old Smith Highway, the Mitsu, Poplar, Poplar Lane, Fawcett Lake, Bayer Road, and Eben Road. And uh, as well, fire that uh, there was a wildfire that erupted what last night, not far from Bonneville. Uh, it's being listed as held now. Uh, crews managed overnight to contain that blaze. The statement says the flames in the Moose Lake Forest area uh, covered about 90 hectares. No, no evacuation order was issued from the town's population of about 6,000. They're going to continue to battle that fire backed up by water bombers and heavy equipment today.